Hey there, I'm Nanzea, and this is Market Scale Grow, a podcast created for ambitious teacherpreneurs looking to have a bigger impact on the world, achieve freedom, flexibility, and ultimately make more money. With weekly strategy sessions and inspiring stories from fellow teachers just like you, my goal here is to help you create a customized marketing strategy so you can grow your teacher business beyond your wildest dreams. Welcome to Market Scale Grow. I'm your host, Jenzea, and today is a very special strategy session. It is another live strategy session with Tia from Parfaitement Parnel. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I know. I'm super excited to chat with you too. Do you want to just start by introducing yourself and your business, give a little bit of background, and then we can dive into the strategy portion of it? Absolutely. So like you mentioned, my name is Tia. I am the owner of my small business, Parfait Mont Parnell, which started as just kind of a fun, let me post my resources on Teachers Pay Teachers and see what happened. And since 2019 has really transformed into nothing that I could have imagined in the best way possible. So what I do is I create modern and engaging French resources for teachers. I provide them with strategies to be able to teach confidently in their classrooms in that second language environment. And yeah, I do things like membership courses, resources. I'm also a new mom. So I'm navigating life between being a teacher, running a business and being a parent. So it is a very busy, but exciting journey that's kind of coming to fruition. (laughs) Yes. And I'm super excited. I feel like I really got into my TPT business. It's been around for a while, like 2013, but I really like pushed in 2019. And I remember like we've kind of crossed paths quite a few times. And so I'm really excited to watch your business grow. And I'm super excited to dive into this now. Me too. And I love to see how you also grow your business. I listen to your podcast. I love all of the tips and tricks. It's just cool. It's cool to know someone that's on a podcast. Yeah. A podcast. Now you're on my podcast too. So yeah. yay. Welcome. Full circle. <laughs> okay. So do you want to give the listeners a bit of an idea of what we're going to be chatting about, where I'm going to be able to try and support you with your marketing today? For sure. So up until now, I haven't I kind of sit down at the beginning of the year and write down my goals and things I want to accomplish with my business. Something that I have not invested a lot of time or business money back into is the marketing component of growing my business. So it's not that I felt like I need to, but I would really like made it a big goal of mine for this year to dive full on 100% committing to making efforts to just improve my marketing, getting my products out there, my courses, my resources, even my mailing list. I just I'm not really sure where to start when it comes to things like Facebook ads. I tried to set one up once, absolute disaster, never again. And I was like, I'm traumatized (laughs) by this. So I'm hoping that you can kind of help me find some steps and then we can continue to work together to continue to grow this marketing goal of mine that I'm setting for 2023. Absolutely. Yes. So is there one of those specific products you're kind of envisioning or... Like, what does your product suite look like? Do they work really well together? Or would you have very different audiences that you'd be trying to nurture for each of these pieces? Yeah, I know. It's kind of, it's tricky because like, it all is the same audience in the sense of the demographic is French teachers, like specifically, not I wouldn't say specifically Canadian French teachers, because we do have some people that are the US that I work with, but mostly Canadian French teachers. 
the thing with the products is like, I have a signature kind of a course, a flagship course that is geared towards brand new French teachers. Then I have membership options for the more experienced teachers who are looking for a little bit of learning in terms of professional development and things like that and resources, but they don't need those like foundation steps. So the audience is the same, but the stage at which the audience is at in their teaching practice is a little bit different. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's a really good way to structure your product suite to have the same audience, but at different points in their journey so that you can help them from day one if you you find them quick enough, right? And then all the way through their journey. So it is actually a really good way to set up your product suite. I love it. Okay. I just want to pause for a second and remind you of my signature course. It's a hybrid group coaching program course called Dream List Essentials. We're going to be opening the door again shortly, and I want you to get on the waiting list. If building your email list full of dream clients is on your to-do list in 2023, then this is the course for you. We flesh out your marketing plan, come up with organic and collaboration strategies, plus there's an extensive portion of the course that is focused on Facebook and Instagram ads. So you can grow your list with ads behind the scene so that your business becomes more sustainable every single day. If you're interested in this, head to marketscalegrow.com forward slash dream list essentials to get all the details and to get on the waiting list right away. (laughs) And that's what we'd like. And sometimes it happens just you create the first piece, whatever that might be. And then to fill in those gaps, you're like, well, I I have this membership, let's say, for teachers and the resources that they might need. But now I'm getting a lot of new teachers who want a different variation of the support. How can I fill in that gap? And then moving forward and filling in those gaps. Is that kind of what happened? That's exactly what happened. It really did start with exclusively resources on Teachers Pay Teachers. And then I was like, oh, like I kind of want to do a course. And this is when COVID hit. So everyone was struggling with technology. And that was when I launched my first course that was all about, you know, how to navigate your digital classroom online and stuff like that. And so once I did that, I was like, oh, I really enjoy putting courses and things together. And I was like, how can I help more people? And then from there, it kind of expanded into different kinds of courses. And then eventually I did a membership because I was like, I'd like to challenge myself with something creating content every month and things like that. And now it's turned into two memberships and quite a few courses. So yeah, I think it happened really organically, but I'm very happy with how it panned out. I would like to reach more people. I I want to be able to get out there a little bit more and to make my products and kind of what I do with my business. I don't want to say like a household name, but like a classroom household name, if that makes sense. That's my goal is, I guess, at the end of the day. And remind me, your it's French teachers, but particularly like in Ontario, at least like junior or is it? I would say yeah, it kind of depends because for like French immersion specifically, I would say my products range from grades two to six. So it is lower elementary, but kind of also junior elementary. But then with core French, you can go all the way to grade seven. So it really, mm-hmm. I just say elementary gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> is the okay. biggest umbrella for me. <laughs> Both of us, we we live fairly close to each other. We we're both in Ontario. <laughs> and so that's why I was junior intermediate. I'm glad you said the age range or grade range, yeah. grade two to like grade six for French immersion a little bit later sure. for core French. So 
for each of these different stages that someone might be in, I know you have different opt-ins, like free email opt-ins to your Mm -hmm. email list. Do you have something that kind of gears to each of those different phases? How do, how is your opt-ins? How are they structured? So for the course, that's for like the brand new teachers, the opt-in guide that I've created is five tips for new French teachers. And it's very much just some tips that give you a little snippet of what is actually included in the course, things that you wouldn't necessarily learn in teacher's college. And so that's an email opt-in. And then once they opt into that, they're put in like a workflow and then they go through basically a sales sequence, but it's also kind of like a nurture sequence. It's like full. And then at the end, it's like, okay, here's the course. If you'd like to sign up for it, if not join my regular mailing list. And we do a bunch of stuff every single week with that. So either way, the traffic from that kind of leads back into just my mailing list in general, which I think is helpful because then if they found that the information from that initial course was maybe it wasn't for them, like maybe they're a little bit more advanced than they thought they were. Then eventually, as they work through this mailing list, they kind of get a view at the different options that are available for the different level of teaching experience they're at. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. And so that course specifically, is it open all the time? So I could opt in today and buy it or I could opt in in six months and buy it? Yeah. So I did that initial kind of a launch week. I personally did my founding members, like kind of had some to help me build this course so that I knew it would work for the audience. Then I did a, a big launch. Yeah, as I'm sure you're very familiar with. And now it's just open. I just kind of pick seasons to promote it. So I really, you know, emphasize enrollments for that and kind of do like special bonus offers and things like that in the summer when I know a lot of teachers are finding out new teachers are finding out they're going to be in a classroom and things like that. Also kind of, I wanted it to be open all year because I know teachers get hired at any point during the year, but it's tricky because I don't want to be promoting like every five seconds. So I'm not really sure what the best strategy for something like that is. I don't want to annoy my audience, but I want to make sure it's available to those who need it, if that makes sense. I honestly think the way you have it set up makes a lot of sense. And that promoting that free guide would be less annoying, quote unquote, to people because it's free value. And teachers who are a bit more advanced may still be able to get something and then self-select out of the course, right? And it's not necessarily a sales pitch. I do feel like in a way we have to sell our free offers. But it's it's a little bit different and people don't take it like, oh, she's selling and selling and selling and selling. So Mm -hmm. pushing out that free offer, the the free guide, which then if your email sequence leads to selling the course, I think that that's a really good way. And it gives exactly what you want. If there is a new teacher that reaches out to you or whatever, then you're able to say, well, here's the free guide and the course is always open, right? That you're not locked Mm -hmm. into open and closed cart dates and saying, well, it's not January, so you can't buy. Exactly. And I think that's where my kind of like marketing struggle comes in because sometimes I worry that marketing comes across as so salesy and like I'm, just, I'm not a super salesy person. So I'm really trying to learn more this year about where the balance is and how to do it in a way that actually converts, but is also something that I can emotionally live with if that makes you know, sense for that. That's so huge right now. A couple of things to keep in mind is touch points and interacting with people is really, really important right now. And nurture is super, super important. People have less trust in the online space than I would say they had even two years ago. And also, I am not an economist or a money person in any way, but with the fear of a quote unquote recession, people are holding on to money a little bit tighter. And so when they're ready to spend or when they find something that they want, they're going to go to those people who 
are creating relationships, building relationships, providing a lot of value. And if they've got a ton from you when they are ready to buy, or if you do put that sales piece out in front of them and it's like, oh, this is perfect for me because they already know you and they already trust you, then they're much more ready to actually buy. So not avoiding the sales piece, but keeping that in your mind of like, no, nurture is so, so, so important right now. For sure. And I'm curious if in your mind, so my nurture kind of mostly comes from interactions, whether it's on social media or whatever, and through kind of the weekly emails that I send out, I try to provide a snippet of my life. And then I'm like, okay, also, here's a free product for you. And it's one of those things where I think that that helps with the nurture sequence. But do you have other advice for how to continue to nurture your prospective customers? Emails are really, really great. I would say actually that's probably my number one because it feels personal still in a way when you open an email and you're reading it. And if you've done a good job of like using the person's name and actually trying to have a conversation and not just here's the information or here's the sales pitch or here's the whatever, like telling them a bit about your life and sharing those little pieces helps to build that, that relationship. So that's really, really important and being consistent with that. How often are you emailing your list? So I'm doing weekly emails. <laughs> yeah, I back them and do them all at once. I mean, there's some, I've gone back and forth because I'm like, is weekly too much? I find that the, especially during the school year, leading up to the school year, the open rates are really good. And then kind of as the school year goes in, they slowly start to diminish, which makes sense because if you're waking up every day to 5,000 emails, like you're not going to want to open them. I get it. Like I understand. Absolutely. So I thought about switching to bi-weekly and then kind of like beefing up those emails with just better content, I, I, what I would say better content in my eyes, kind of condensing them. But I'm not sure, like, what would you recommend for an email schedule? So first thing is that there, there's like a really important balance right now between quantity and quality. And quantity, now this is a little bit more for social media, quantity mm-hmm. almost, almost trumps quality on social media sometimes. True. And email, I wouldn't necessarily like want you to pull back because again, quantity and showing mm-hmm. up in people's inboxes is really important. But right. something that has worked really well for me and for other people that I've talked to is segmenting your list. And okay. if you wanted to every other week, send out that beefier email to everybody mm-hmm. on your list. But then those alternate weeks, only sending out your email to people who have engaged in your email list in the last 60 days. So it could be Anyone who's opened that email in the last 60 days gets an email every single week. But if they haven't opened it, then they only get it every other week. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. I think that's actually good because then you know the people who are opening it actually would like to receive the emails. (laughs) I'm sure it would change the open rate staff as well. I mean, yes. And so it does a couple of things. First of all, it gives that content, it continues to provide the content to the people who are saying, yes, I want the content. It gives you higher open rates, which then in the email service providers makes you look better and less spammy. So it has that benefit as well. And when people are in a phase where they're like, oh, I want everything T is providing, they're getting it. But then if they're in more of a phase where they're pulling back, it's been a couple of months since they've opened an email, they stop getting them and then you're you're cluttering their inbox a little bit less. And so it has like a couple different benefits there. So that might be an option that you you consider how I use it in my business is on my Thursday emails. My Monday emails go out to everyone. They're about my podcast. Everybody gets them. But Thursdays, depending on what that email is, sometimes I use that filter 
And sometimes I just send it to everybody. So it, it kind of depends on the content and what's happening in my business. But I do use that filter sometimes with my Thursday emails. That's definitely something I want to look into because that's me. I didn't know that. I didn't even consider doing it in a segmented way. So that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and you use Flowdesk, right? I do. Do you, do you use Flowdesk? I do. Yeah. So what I do in Flowdesk, I just create a segment for that one email and then afterwards I delete it. Smart, because then you can just kind of be like, this is finished. <laughs> yeah, it was like, like December, what are we today? December 14th Yeah, email. And then once the email is sent, I just delete those segments so that people don't have like a thousand different segments. But there's no way that I found in Flowdesk that creates a segment that's people who are currently active within the last 60 days and is like a rotating segment, if you will. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That, yeah. That's not a flexible feature right now. <laughs> Just as a little tip for anyone who's using Flowdesk and wants to use this strategy as well. So no, yeah. that's great. Thank you. Yeah. So email is my number one for relationship building. You have a blog, right? I do. I have a blog, but I have discovered that I am not very good at promoting my blog. <laughs> like I'll write these articles or I'll work with whoever to write them. And then I just post them and I make like one Instagram post and forget about it for a year. And then when I'm doing my weekly emails, I'm like, oh yeah, this would be great with this blog post that I've never shared with anyone. <laughs> I need to work on that. That's enough. <laughs> and so that's your repurposing content strategy yeah. that you can pull those blog posts again and again, pull quotes from them, carousels for teaching is a really good way to, yeah, if you do like a title page and then the three points you pulled in the blog, then you have a carousel, right? And then you can pull it back later. Super important. I love that. And I feel like, yeah, the repurposing content is something that saves us all time that we all really need. (laughs) And I also think your brain has to do less work. Like you've already come up with the outline for that blog. And then an Instagram post is almost just the outline, right? It doesn't need to be the fully fleshed out version. So once you have the outline, some of the work is done. And if you're working with somebody else, they may be able to support you in that. And then you have an Instagram post that you didn't have to do as much work for, right? I personally don't have anyone doing my Instagram, but like that is a way that you could get the content without more work. For sure. And like for someone like me, I'm really struggling to... Like, I know you had a whole podcast episode about hiring out and I listened to it because I was like, I feel it in my soul. I have such a hard time letting go of tasks that really are time consuming for me because of the fact that I'm like, I feel so personal about my business. and like, I want it a certain way. And so I really like that suggestion of using the blog post because then I can be like, excuse me, can you just use these points and create something? I feel better about that. So Mm -hmm. that's a really great point as well. And you as the like face of your brand, eventually the goal is mini like empire, if you will. Yes. You're the one who's creating the content and the strategy and you're like the higher level thinker and those smaller pieces, somebody else can do them because it's still coming from your brain, right? If you wrote the outline, those are still your words. It's still your vibe. It's still you. And so that's just another way to use that content. Blogs, nowadays are less red than they used to be, right? Yep. So the other way you can repurpose them is like video content. Oh. And so if you did, and like I said, a carousel, but you could also do like um, one of those face-to-camera reels. Again, right. using that same content. And that's just another way that you could say like, here's three tips or like point, 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 pulling that exact same content because people are watching reels. 
they are consuming and TikToks too. You're on TikTok, right? Yeah, again, like I'm on TikTok, but I'm not very good at posting consistently, which is a bummer because I love how you said that it can be repurposed for video because right, everyone's short attention span. We're here, we're here for the details, and that's it. Like the main point, nothing else. So I really I think I'm gonna try that. I'll tag you when I do that because I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> First of all, that's gonna help you with that visibility piece that you're looking for because reels are still pushed out to new people. And so that's great. It also doubles as more of that nurture content because it's high value, it's quality, and that's what people want to see. And so if a new person comes across you like, oh, these tips are great, someone new seen you and you've nurtured them. So that's like a double touch point almost all in one. I think a two for one. (laughs) Exactly. And so that's like organic. And I know you do reels already, which is why I feel like (laughs) it's something you could like incorporate into your strategy, right? I never thought about using the blog post for reels. Like, and if that's the struggle of 99% of the time, I'm like scrolling, like, what am I going to post? Like, what am I going to do? But it's mm-hmm. as simple as taking three points from that post and changing them into video format. That's genius. I love that. <laughs> Here's something very fascinating. I follow you on Instagram and I had no idea. Like, I never would have guessed that you had a struggle figuring out what to put on Instagram. So that's like... Really? That's that's something I think everyone needs to hear is sometimes from the outside, one thing appears, Mm -hmm. you have consistent content that's going out regularly, that's high quality. But then in the background, our thoughts are, I never know what to post. I don't know what to put out there. So just like that mismatch of like what other people are seeing and what you're feeling, right? For sure. And I feel like the biggest waste of my time is sitting there being like, what am I going to post? What should I post? I'm glad that it seems consistent. I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And something that like crosses my mind. So maybe this is also with you. I feel like I do a podcast episode and then anyone who wants to consume it has consumed it. But we have to remember that people may not even know it exists, like might not know your blog exists, might not have had time to do it this week. I already put, I put it out in my email as well. So I'm already duplicating, like they've already seen my email and my podcast, but that's not how it works, right? Like there's different people who are consuming your long form content, who are reading your emails, who are on social media. And so hitting all three of those places feels really repetitive to me, but it's not to our audience. Right. And I think that that ties well into kind of the marketing plan, the sense of if you are getting your material out there to as many channels as possible, you're reducing your own planning, if you want to call it that, in terms of just trying to coordinate how everything's going to go because you're you're focusing on one form of content or, or sorry, one like topic, I guess. And then you can just blast it out everywhere and it's just it's less work in the sense <laughs> compared to what you're doing before. You're like, what do I do here? What do I do here? Mm-hmm. And then I know getting into paid ads is something you're yeah. interested in. The two places I would recommend doing that, the first one is amplifying your lead generation. So putting money behind your freebies, especially like the one we talked about already, where you have a fully fleshed out email sequence. Okay. If it's converting at the end, right? Like if you do have people Mm -hmm. who are opting into it and then purchasing that course, then you have a bit of like ROI at the end. Mm -hmm. But emotionally, that might be too far away. So the people opting into your email list are a different form of return on your investment. It's not a, it's not money for money, but you're mm-hmm. paying and then your email list is growing and you know, maybe they mm-hmm. won't buy the course right away, but they're on your email list and the next time you promote it, or if they weren't at the right level, the next level might be better for them. So that's where I recommend everyone start is 
their freebies and putting a bit of money behind growing your email list. Okay. That's amazing. Because yeah, I, I've dappled in the uh, <laughs> Facebook ad situation. I'm going to need your help on this one further. We'll book another call for that. But yeah, I just, I wasn't sure where because I was like, do I do it with products on Teachers Pay Teachers or on my own website? But I guess it makes more sense to do it through lead generation because people are more likely to sign up for a free item than mm-hmm. to dive right in, especially if it's a cold audience, like to dive right into a paid product. And they're like, I don't even know you. And I'm like, I don't know you either. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. And there are pros and cons. If you did want to go the product route, there's pros and cons promoting it on TPT versus your own store. Mm-hmm. The name recognition of TPT is huge. People trust right. TPT. They know it's it's a brand that they know. So there, mm-hmm. that's huge. The ability to track and the way you run ads isn't as great on TPT. Mm-hmm. It is better from an ad setup perspective to run to your own store. Mm-hmm. But then again, there's less brand recognition and someone's like, I don't know this person. Like, I, and I actually trust this website, right? That just is set up. So there are pros and cons. Most of my clients run ads to TPT if they want to go that route. I still recommend and almost all of them are still building their email list simultaneously. And then the third place mm-hmm. you can do is driving traffic to your blog. And so picking blog posts And this is like a tiny, tiny fraction, maybe five to 10% of your overall ad budget. But the goal of that is just bring cold people in and nurture them with content. Gotcha. So more people will see your blog and then maybe they'll read a couple blog posts. They'll find you on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then once they've done that, you can start retargeting them with those other ads, either the email list or the the product ads. You've drawn them in with your high value content and then you can push your email at list ads and your product ads, which is your main goal, right? For sure. The yeah. small portion, but it also gets that nurture, kicks it into high gear. So I guess a question for ads, and I don't actually know if there's any answer to this, but it's like, how much time should you give it before you kind of look at the statistics and say, this worked or it didn't? Like, what is the general timeline for something like that? So with an ad that I'm running about a $25 a day budget, Mm-hmm. I like to give it three days, 72 hours to stabilize. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then after 72 hours, you can start to see if it's doing what you want or not. Mm-hmm. The big caveat to that is if in the first 24 hours, it's completely tanking, and you <laughs> want to turn it off. Like that's okay. I have seen many, many ads that tank in that first 24 hours, but by the 72 hour mm-hmm. mark are doing really well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But I, and I've, I've seen the opposite too where it's doing really well in the first couple hours and then it tanks up. So that 72 hours, there's a lot of like roller coaster that happens up and down. After the 72 hours, if there's like no leads, you're getting nothing from it. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say like, oh no, just keep, you know, maybe Facebook needs more time. It typically does not need more time than 72 hours. If your budget is bigger or smaller, then you need to adjust your time for that. Like if it's a $5 campaign, you might need to give it a whole week. If it's $100 a day, you may actually legitimately be able to make a decision within 24 hours. Oh, okay. Typically, $25 a day is a pretty standard budget. And I would say 72 okay. hours for that. Amazing. Thank you. I did not know that. <laughs> That's a really important thing that so many times I've had people like, oh, I've had it running for like two weeks and I've got nothing. And I'm like, why? Like, Turn it off. <laughs> Please stop. Please stop. Yeah. There's no reason to keep it running. Now, Mm -hmm. Marketing does work. 
And when you have a campaign like that, mm-hmm. if you turn it off, make tweaks based on the data you, and then turn it back on or duplicate it and mm-hmm. run it again. Like there is a process to follow just because the ad didn't work the first time doesn't mm-hmm. mean we like delete the product from our store and never sell it again. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I also want to, I just want to be clear there. There's a problem in the marketing that does not mean that there's a problem with what you're selling. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't delete all of your things. Caveat. <laughs> not the advice. <laughs> Red flashing warning here. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. That's good. Because I think that's also part of like my hesitancy to, well, in the past to have kind of gone full on to Facebook ads. It's like, I don't know. I wasn't sure spend like the time, like what yielding results look like, things like that. So I'm excited. I'm excited to. I feel like knowing you, this is something that you have done, but a really good way if you wanted to expand your reach without going to ads right away is collaborations. And I'm saying, I feel like you do a lot of that. Like you, you do lives with other people and you've been part of like groups, but that is something else that it's free. Typically Mm -hmm. collaborations are typically free and it does open you up to another audience. And so continuing to do those collaborations is another venue to get more of that visibility, get your products and your freebies in front of new audiences. So don't stop those efforts either. If you can, like if you, if you can juggle more balls. (laughs) No, and I think you're right. I think that's what kind of sparked this whole marketing focus for, for this year too, was because when I was doing in the summer, we did a collaboration with a bunch of teachers, just interviews for different French topics, whatever it was. But I was like, oh, like, this is amazing how many more people we could reach. And then I was like, so if this works doing this, I'm like, I can't even imagine how much more of an audience I might be able to reach with paid ads. And I, was like, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about paid ads. So it's like, here we are. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I talk about it. There's, I've done a, at least one episode, podcast episode about this of like traffic levers. You have organic traffic, which is like your own social media, your reels, those. And then the collaboration lever of stealing quote unquote other people's audiences and then paid and all three of them can be very valuable very useful and at different points in your business might be active like more that you're using them more often right so just keeping that that's another piece that i would highly recommend that you continue doing i love it that's awesome yeah do you have any other questions you feel like we haven't hit I don't think so. We've covered a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so much. No, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much again for answering all of my questions. I'm so excited. <laughs> my, my favorite question to ask at the end is what are your three takeaways from this session? Oh my gosh. So my three takeaways. That's a good question. I'm yeah. thinking about it. I'm panicking. I'm sweating. No, it's okay. So my first, the emails. I, I'm really interested in trying kind of your segmented strategy. I've never tried something like that. And I like the way that you kind of laid it out and how it could help to grow and to nurture your list. So that's definitely one takeaway. The second would be how to repurpose that content. I'm excited. I'm excited to look at the blog posts and transform them into emails and like social media posts and things like that. I feel like that's going to save me a ton of time. So I'm very excited about that. And then the third takeaway is probably going to be just diving into paid ads. Like I have a little bit of a better idea now. Obviously I'm gonna need your help with it because I'm not gonna do by myself. But you know, just just learning and understanding uh, a little bit more about how they work and the benefits that they can bring in terms of exposure, especially with the lead magnet generators, things like that. That's good stuff. That's good stuff right there. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. Okay. If people want to look for you and find you, where can they do that? Yeah. So I am on Instagram at Parfait Montparnell. 
I'm on Facebook, but also Instagram is kind of the bigger one, but you can follow me on my page as well. And yeah, you can also find me on my website, parfumonparnell.com. I have my blog, more information about, you know, courses and things like that. And just little snippets about my life if you're interested in learning about it. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. And all of those that you just mentioned will be in the show notes below. So just scroll down and you can click those links. So thank you so much. Thank Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Market Scale Grow. I'm so thankful that you've taken some time out of your busy schedule to make me part of your journey. If you love this podcast, don't forget to share it with your friends and then head to your favorite podcast app to subscribe so that you won't miss next week's episode or any of the upcoming ones. And if you loved it, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that other people can find this podcast and we can impact teachers and teacher business owners around the world. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be back in your ears next week with another Saturday strategy session.